0: This is McScience Face calling with my favorite deep cut. My favorite deep cut is U2's Red Hill Mining Town. It is actually my favorite U2 song of all time. It is on the Joshua Tree album. It is not a B-side that I'm aware of, but it's on the main album, so I don't see how it would be. Until the Joshua Tree 30th anniversary tour last year, to my knowledge, they had never played it live. So, what I understand they had only played live, they, they didn't play it live for 30 years. So, there you go.
1: Welcome everyone to the Gravity Beard Podcast. We're recording today in Studio A. Thank you as always to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. seems like we say this at the beginning of every episode but once again we're breaking new ground on the show today more on that in a moment first i'd like to introduce my guest if you're part of our facebook group the gravity beard interns you know him as our dedicated science correspondent sciencey mcscience face in addition to that he's my longtime friend Corey mccord Corey, welcome back thank you for having me do you remember the last time you were here
0: I vaguely remembered it It was was over two years ago, and I think we were doing an NBA finals conversation, potentially, with Trey Hodge. It was somewhere around that, though.
1: You're right on the timeline. It was just over two years ago. It was, okay, so we were, I don't know what episode this will be, but we've Mm -hmm. done over 150 episodes.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. That was episode 12 and 13. Wow. It wasn't on the NBA. We, we, we had done some NBA stuff okay. around that okay. time. If you remember, it was actually How to Fix College Football.
0: Yes, that's right. We yes. did a two-parter. Yes.
1: It was episodes 12 and 13. Yeah. Compared to – not because you guys were there, you and Trey, mm-hmm. but compared to the show I'm putting out now, it was t- – hearable <laughs> it was awful
0: it was different it was definitely different and if you listen to it now you can tell you know from, from a lot of different ways it was, it's it's really matured and grown
1: yeah so. the topic was great and mm-hmm. i think our conversation was great in our, in our exchange but just the show in general was really awful
0: well and we all had to huddle around that little microphone you know well on the, on we, we
1: had every new podcaster's beginner mic, yeah the uh the blue yeti and yeah. it sat in the middle of the table yeah. that's what a lot of podcasters do when they get started and so we did too that's yeah. just how we did it back That's then. right. Yeah. Okay. So I apologize that it's been so long since you've been with us. No problem. Yeah. Let me explain to the audience what we're doing today. This is called Deep Cuts. The idea is that we pick one of the biggest acts in music, go to their biggest albums, and choose one of the most obscure tracks off that album. An obscure track like that is called a Deep Cut. What song did you select for our first installment of Deep Cuts.
0: Red Hill Mining Town by U2.
1: And why did you choose that song?
0: So on the the message I left on the hotline, I said it was my favorite U two song. It's actually not correct. I was I misspoke. Uh, my favorite U two song, and I think the best U two song that's ever
1: been that was ever written by them was,
0: was Pride. Right. Um, and
1: you told me that. I remember you saying that. You
0: know. And you know, that was off of Unforgettable Fire, as I recall. And I you know, Pride's an amazing song. It's got an amazing story. You know, I'm not going to get into all that, but that album, Unforgettable Fire, I quite honestly, to me, was kind of forgettable, other than that one song. I and, agree. And there whereas, were a couple other good
1: songs, but yeah, but uh, on the, the whole,
0: yeah, up until that point, I mean, you know, I think War was the one that everyone loved. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday and New Year's Day and right all that. And so, I remember when Joshua Tree came out. It was a big deal when Joshua Tree came out. You know, yeah. this was and at the time, you know, I think that the the people that really loved you two at that point in time thought it was a little too commercial. It was, you know, they had almost kind of sold out in a way, you know, because it was so popular. Right. And looking back thirty years, I, I disagree with that. I actually think it's. I think it was the peak of their abilities. I think there was a peak of their writing abilities. I think their sound was. Uh, nearly perfect at that point in time, and even though it was such a commercial success, I don't think that that takes away from how good it
1: really is. No, I I agree because you and I are similar age, yeah. so we were in our teenage years when that album came out, and I think it was the, it's their defining album. It
0: is their defining album, hundred percent. So, yeah, and I've heard I've had friends that no, it can't be because it's too commercialized. I was like, I'm sorry. That has nothing to do with it. That's a hipster way of looking at things. Right. And it's wrong. I agree. You know, so so with regard to Red Hole Mining Town, I mean, you know, the first, I can't even remember what track it is. Now I'm thinking back on it. I could look it up. But I want to say it's like the third or fourth, maybe the fourth track on the album or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, it was one of those that, that you know, didn't get any, I don't even remember getting any really any radio play.
1: I don't think you so. Know, there were so I, many singles off that album.
0: It, but that, it was supposed, and I read this, I actually read this after we had this conversation originally. I, I went back and read, read some things about the song because I, I liked it just because I thought it was a beautiful song. It was kind of a haunting sound, you know. Um, it definitely had a story, although you know, there was no way for us to look up songs back then. Right. You know, we, now we have the internet, we can look these things up and, and research them. We, we didn't have those abilities back then. And so It was song um, number six. Song number six. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we didn't have the ability to do that back then. So I didn't really know what the song was about until very recently. To me, the song was about legacy. Okay. And when it talks about, you know, from the father to the son, the blood runs thin. Yep. That was, to me, it was kind of about. It was about there was something going on that Bono was writing about, but I didn't know what it was. I had no idea that it was about this um, this National Union of Mine Workers strike in 1984. And so, which again, went back and researched and looked into this. For me, though, it was almost a uh, it was a it was kind of a uh, it was a relationship story. Yeah. It was a it was something that again had to do with more about with legacy and, and kind of loss a loss there was some sort of a loss there you know some, there was like a time that something was going on and now there was a loss from whatever that was I, you know now it's we know that it was they were shutting down coal mines and it was because of economic hardship Right. but for me you know it, it kind of played back to the thing that, that, that music has really always done for me music has affected so many my life in so many different ways that that song just kind of spoke to me much like this is going to sound probably ridiculous, but Harry Chapin's song "Cats in the Cradle." Right. Okay. It's a song about regret. All right. There's a song by Whitey Morgan. It's called "Memories Cost a Lot," and it says "Memories Cost a Lot" if you don't make them. Okay. And you know, there's a song by Chris Stapleton called "Either Way." It's a, it's a it's a it's a lamenting song, and so this that's kind of those things to me. It reminds me to be focused in the time and remember that I don't want regrets. And we're always going to have regrets, but I'd, I'd like to avoid them in the fall possible. And, and quite honestly, like Harry Chapin's song shaped me as a father, 100% shaped I believe me as a it. Father, I believe you know? it. So that's kind of really why I liked it so much. I mean, love the rest of the album. It was great, but getting to finally see it live in 2017, when I went to, um, uh, went to the YouTube concert at, um, uh, at and T, they you know, they had I never th- I never knew that they would played it live before, and they hadn't. I mean, U two goes on a thirtieth anniversary tour of that album. You're, you're, there's a hundred thousand people at that show, right? You know? So anyway, so that's that's where that's kind of how I got to that.
1: Did you learn anything else in your research?
0: It was supposed to be the second single released, right. and I think I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Was or that's correct? Yeah, yep. So, and then there was some, I know that Bono, I read Bono hated his vocals in it. They did a re-release of it in 2017, and I don't think I've even heard that.
1: I haven't either, but I want to, uh, because the way they described it, the original one, they didn't like the the brass. The brass, yeah. And so he, it sounded like they replaced it with synth, Yeah. And, which is terrible, but they did a lot of that in the 80s, mm-hmm. a lot of synth. Yep. And they made it more quieter, and they replaced it with synth. And then this latest one, I think they put the brass back in and brought it back to the forefront where it was supposed to be.
0: And what's funny about that, I was reading that that uh, whoever was doing the mixing had done something that Keith Richards had told told them to yeah,
1: do. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, that was that, really cool to he hear. He said, that. "Look,
0: if 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 my guitar sounds bad, just pump it up. I want to own it. You know, is basically what he was saying. Just just make it, just make yeah, it if, the forefront if it's out give, of tune or whatever. In, yeah, yeah, put it in the forefront, and I'm just going to own the fact that it sucks." Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought that was, that's so, so Keith Richards. Yeah.
1: Okay, so a couple of, I did my own research, so a couple of the facts. A rough version of the song was worked on during the early Joshua Tree album writing sessions in 1985. But just hold on to the fact that it was, it was they started writing it in 85. That'll okay. be meaningful here in just a minute. Actually, later in our conversation. It does say that it was planned for the second single, but, but it was shelved in favor of, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Primarily because they wrestled with the song so much that, mm-hmm. and never got it right. They were yeah. never happy with it. Right. So they're like, screw it. We're just, yeah. <laughs> so that led to one, it not being the second single, and two, them never playing it live, which right. you mentioned. Mm-hmm. However, they did sound check it at a concert in 1987. I once. read that too. Yeah, which yeah. is really interesting. Mm-hmm. The strike, getting to that just briefly, was one of the most divisive and bitter civic conflicts in Britain in the 20th century. It was a really, really serious event. And its societal and economic impact on the working class coal mining based communities was severe. The strike lasted a year. Did you know that? No, and
0: you know, I guess you probably would have had to be would have had to have been British or old enough to really be paying attention to you know minute international politics at that point. Right. Because We don't have we didn't have twenty four hour news outlets. No, back we sure then. didn't. I, we,
1: we, we never heard of this. No, but if you were over in the UK, this. This impacted England, Mm -hmm. Wales, Scotland, like the entire UK and lasted a year.
0: That's a long time.
1: Yeah, because there's lots (laughs) of work stoppages and labor disputes, you know, that last weeks or a couple months or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is the longest, most severe one in the history of the union that started in 1945. Mm. The note said that Bono interviewed Bob Dylan for Hot Press magazine. Now, Hot Press was a music and politics magazine based out of Dublin, Ireland, founded in 1977. As a result of that interview, Dylan liked Bono enough that he invited him to sing on stage at the concert that he was in town for. And it said that the meeting confirmed for Bono how much he still had to learn about the traditions of singing, songwriting, and musicianship. They developed a friendship as a result. That caused Bono to do a deep dive into Dylan's back catalog and retracing and and making connections between Irish and American folk music. So that interaction with Dylan pulled Bono into folk music. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Bono was listening to the blue collar labor songs of Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. So you had these two major acts that he had come across at that time and that really impacted him. And those are the strands along with a couple of other things that came together as the influences for Red Hill Mining Town.
0: Well, and you also look at, you know, Bob Dylan is arguably one of, if not the most prolific songwriters that we've ever had.
1: There's no question, you know. Okay. Well, we've come to that part of the show. Okay. Corey. excited. Are you ready for your surprise? I am. Because I have someone else that has some insight into the inspiration behind Red Hill Mining Town. Are you ready for this? I think so.
2: My name is Nikki Wilson, and I am president of the National Union of Mine Workers in the United Kingdom.
0: No way. How'd you find this?
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Is this real?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. This is absolutely real. Oh, my gosh. So not only is Nicky the current president of the Mine Workers Union, but he's been around the the mining industry for over 50 years. And in 1984, he was right in the middle of the action during the strike.
0: That's incredible.
1: That's right. And he gave me a 30-minute interview. (laughs) And so we're going to play a few clips. Uh, you and I just discussed the story behind the song. So s- some of this is going to sound very familiar. You know, mm-hmm. It's going to match up with the research that you and I did. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start here. How familiar do you think he is with you two? And do you think he knows that they wrote a song about the strike? I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I'm so blown away. I don't even know what to say. This is this is so obscure. <laughs> I never thought it was going here. I had no idea. I had no idea what it surprised me.
1: This is incredible so the journey has just begun <laughs> wow okay here we go
2: yeah well i've heard some of this stuff but i'm not i'm not a big fan of theirs i can't remember that particular song to be honest
1: okay so he's certainly heard of you too mm-hmm. because he's from you know the area yeah but he's 68 okay so he's my parents age <laughs> right yeah so he's heard of U2, but not really into him which is totally yeah. understandable sure okay so not much to say about U2. But he does have knowledge, of course, of the event that inspired today's song. Here, Nicky explains the circumstances that led up to the strike.
2: Well, there was a threatened pit closure as announced by the Conservative government, Tory government, in 1981. And there was spontaneous walkouts throughout the UK. What happened from about 1982 onwards, there was a drip feed of closures in certain areas. In Scotland, we'd already had six was before the strike happened in south wales we had seven and in the northeast of england at five
0: well luckily he's very easy to understand <laughs> and luckily there's really not much of an accent no, there
1: not much of an accent at all certainly <laughs>
0: not making certainly not making fun at all this is really amazing and i did it's pretty amazing that he actually you know gave the time to do this it took
1: to, me we would have done this sooner but it took me a little while to track him down oh i'm can only imagine. <laughs> okay, so after two years of mine closures, there began to be a call of action, mm. and then this happened.
2: It was in 1984 when they announced a, the closure of a Yorkshire colliery called Coughton Wood. It was a spontaneous walkout by the miners in Yorkshire, and that led to the action that we'd been calling for anyway—a national strike against pit closures.
1: Okay, so the story that we kind of had a vague understanding of, but not details, there began to be this rumble of mining closures. Then they started closing them, and then one of the major mines was up in Yorkshire, mm-hmm. and they announced that that site was going to close. And so that's when
0: that sparked the national talk.
1: Yeah, so that's what kicked off the strike in nineteen in, in March of nineteen eighty four. Be- because I had the benefit of of talking to him specifically. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get his personal perspective on the whole thing.
2: Well, I was, a—I uh, mean, I was a, a married man with two young kids, and, and uh, obviously it was a struggle to stay in strike for a year, but I was a staunch union man, but I firmly believed in the strike. And the, I think the uniqueness of that strike was I'd been in strike in 1972 and 1974. That was for terms and conditions, wages, But this strike was not about that. This was about the future of our industry and our communities because if you take the colliery or the pit away, there's no further job prospects. So the battle we fought for a year was to save our industry, uh, protect the future jobs, and protect our communities.
0: So he's 34 years old at this point. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. with a family and two kids. kids. That's, you know. Taking yeah. a big risk there for yeah, this, something that you believe in.
1: Well, and we don't relate to it except for in a small part of our country in the mining context. Mm-hmm. What's most common in our culture is the automobile industry. Yeah, And the most famous example is Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, when they shut down the GM plant in Flint, basically it ruined the entire town. Yeah. Well, put that on the scale of the entire U.K., in the 80s, and that's what he's saying this strike was about. That's why people dug in so much. That's why it was so serious because it wasn't just closing down a mine or two. They were closing down mines all over the UK, and it was de- it was devastating. So take Flint and multiply it times a dozen. Yeah, or multiply it times twenty. You mm-hmm. had twenty Flint's all over the UK, right? And that's what was at stake. So the stakes were huge. There were so many closures around the entire UK and so many communities that were affected that he felt and the other guys felt. And the families felt that it was worth it to engage in a work stoppage that lasted an entire year. A year.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you know, those families, you know, the prospect was that the mine was gonna close, yet they closed the mines by a work stoppage and they're out they're out of work for I mean, I, I can't be out of work for a year, can you?
1: No. I mean who can? <laughs> but I, I think that also speaks to how high the stakes were. Absolutely. Like they had to go all in on this Absolutely. to make sure this wasn't gonna happen or yeah. do everything they thought they could. The Wikipedia page on Nicky Wilson includes a note about him being arrested during the strike. So, of course, I couldn't resist asking you about that.
2: Yes, I was arrested at Ravenscraig Steelworks. What had happened, there was some individuals away behind where the pickets were. and They were just like agitators and that. They weren't miners, and they were throwing things at the lorries. And I'd stepped to the front and was shouting at them, stop doing that because they were actually landing on the pickets, Some of the things they were throwing.
0: So he was throwing things at the trucks. Is that what he said?
1: Exactly. So yeah. I for the listeners' benefit, Nikki has a very thick Scottish accent. But they, a group of protesters, went to picket a steel mill. Yeah, they wanted to prevent enough coal from getting in for them to be able to complete the process. Right. So instead of protesting at the mines, which are already closed. They protested the steel plants. And so miners had shown up to carry picket signs and do a traditional march and whatnot. But in most of these other places where they protested, other agitators that were non-mine workers showed up just Mm to kind of cause trouble, add to the chaos. And what was happening... Which we've seen
0: here. Of course. In the last few years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so the miners and the picketers were just picketing. Mm -hmm. The agitators were throwing things. What was happening is they weren't getting to the trucks. They were just falling on the picketers <laughs> oh, man. right so they're tossing stuff but wow. they're not even throwing it right right they're actually hitting hitting the picketers right and so he stepped in to try to get them to stop okay. to stop throwing stuff that's what he was explaining he goes on to explain that the police would show up at these protests in what they called snatch squads they arrested as many so they bring these big SWAT trucks they arrested as many people as possible they put them in the back of the of the trucks and take them down to the police station and Nicky got scooped up in one of these.
2: What happened when I got arrested, I managed to escape. And I, I ran through some gardens, through some houses. and But unfortunately, I tripped and fell and they caught me again. <laughs> and I said, you know, this is wrong. We're fighting for our jobs and all that. And he said to me, well, you know, we, we report, a lot of the policemen are opposed to this. We don't want to do this, but we've been ordered to do it. And I said, "Well, if you're opposed to open the door and let me out," but he, he wouldn't concede to that. <laughs> I tried.
0: You know, and you think about um, you know Margaret Thatcher's government was in control at this
1: point. That's and who, right. And
0: and you know who, and I would have voted, probably voted for Margaret Thatcher's time. I for sure, if I was a voting age, I would have definitely voted for Reagan. And mm-hmm. so,
1: well, and and she was basically Reagan's counterpart. Exactly. They were very close, absolutely right.
0: And so, you look at this. I can I can only imagine that. The 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 ruling government in the United Kingdom at that point in time probably didn't probably didn't have much of a soft spot in their heart for this. You know, not at all. That's just not part of their program. So no, they
1: dealt with it very heavy handedly. Yeah. So he was scooped up in one of these snatch squads, but managed to escape. But then he tripped and he fell. He tripped and fell and got caught. <laughs> and they caught up to him and they arrested him again. It is worth noting he later appeared in court where he was declared not guilty of any charges and was let go again. So ultimately, the strike lasted right at a year. But a few weeks before the end, miners in some local areas began to weaken and return to work. Nikki explains that there was a lack of leadership at the national level and it compromised their ability to benefit from all of their own sacrifice, mm-hmm. so, which is really unfortunate because of all the time that they'd put in. And here he talks about a rumored deal that never happened in November before the strike ended the following March.
2: It's my personal view, this is, that there should have been, there should have been a way of looking for a negotiated settlement to get back. It is rumoured, but... Uh, now, I can't prove if this is the case or not, but, but there was a deal that all the mine, all the miners who'd been sacked during the strike would have got their jobs back, except for ones that had done really violent things uh, in November, and apparently that was refused. So that would have... And if that was true, my opinion was we could have went back with a bit of dignity, because... What would I get with the men's
0: jobs by So did they have, you know, for lack of a better term, scabs that were working in their place during this period of time? Or, I mean, they don't think they shut down coal production for an entire year.
1: Yes. I didn't include that in the clips mm-hmm. that we're going to discuss today. But he talked about how there were other rumors and there was an idea that, that they went to some of the workers and offered them special treatment to basically weaken the, the strike effort. Hmm. So that so that did happen. There were yeah. some volunteer scabs that didn't want to strike, yeah. And there were other ones at certain mines, kind of the almost like favorites right. that they went to and offered really nice deals. Wow. Because that's the whole thing is that they were shutting down the, the coal mines because they were unprofitable. Mm-hmm. So they still needed the coal mines, but they only needed a few of them. Right. And if you squeeze down to a skeleton crew on just the right mine sites, then you can get your profits back up and mm-hmm. keep going. Right. And so they picked their favorites. Yeah. This is one thing that happened. So the miners suffered a terrible defeat, and Nicky explains here that the results, unfortunately, are still being felt today.
2: Today, well, I think the biggest picture, after the miners were defeated in 1984-85, it seriously weakened the trade union movement in the United Kingdom. And I don't think we've recovered to this day, because if the trade union movement had stood with the miners in 1984-85, and solidarity, then we wouldn't have things like 0 hour contracts or terrible, you know, working conditions that we've got now in Britain.
1: And so I, I asked him if it was worth it, and if he would do it again, and this is what he had to say.
2: I would do it again, because I think the principles that we've done it for, as I say, it wasn't about wages, it wasn't about more money, it wasn't about you know, better conditions or that. It was about the future of our industry and especially of our communities. And as I've said, we are still suffering today because of 1984, 85, all these years later.
1: Yeah, so unlike you know, previous work stoppages, like we said, the stakes were so high. There was there was so much to lose. It wasn't just jobs. It was the future of the industry. It was all these communities. Yeah. And they had to go all in no mm-hmm. matter how long it took. And it's really a shame that a few months before that they didn't take that deal. Mm-hmm. One, they would have gotten their jobs back. Right. And two, they would have maintained their dignity. Right. And this could have ended much differently. Yeah. The effects of that strike are still felt today. Those mm-hmm. closures still happened. Yep. The jobs were lost. The communities were, you know, have suffered since. And they're not being treated well. The miners that are still in the industry mm-hmm. don't get the treatment or the pay or the benefits that they deserve. Yeah.
0: That's a tough thing, though, to um, to deal with. I mean, you know, again, you're not a socialist. I'm not a socialist. Like anything else, and this is what I've always tried to teach my kids, you have to balance. It cannot be all one side or all the other side. You've right. got to find balance there because ultimately you have to find equilibrium for everyone to succeed, or for you to succeed.
1: You know. So. Well, we don't live in a binary world. No, we don't. Right. Th- things are more multidimensional and more dynamic than that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's not a black-and-white situation. In any case, we concluded the interview this way. I did have one other thing I wanted to ask you, a, a curiosity that I, I came across in, in the notes. Uh-huh. They were unclear on whether or not your birthday was in 1950 or 1951. 1950. So what is your birth date? The 5th of July, 1950. Okay, so you just had a birthday just a few weeks ago. Yeah, not too long ago, yeah. All right, well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I'll help those guys out, and I'll update the Wikipedia page and confirm your birthday.
2: Okay. That's smashing.
1: <laughs> well, Nikki, I sincerely, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day and, and uh, sharing your story with us.
2: Okay. It's been nice speaking to you, and wish you all the best.
1: Likewise. If you're ever in Scotland, you can give me a call. I would love that. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, then. Bye now. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And I believe him. I believe if I was going to go to Scotland, I could reach out to this guy. Oh, I think you absolutely could. He was an incredibly genuine and nice person. Yeah. And I actually did last night. It took me a little while to get around to it. But for the first time in my entire life, I set up an account on Wikipedia and went on that one page and added his birthday. Because it has his name, and then yeah. it just in parentheses it said 1950 or 1951. That's all it had. Right. Like, how did how is no one able to figure out this guy's birthday? Yeah, and so I did. I did exactly what I said. I went on there, and last night and I put a, his birthday. A podcaster
0: in. in Dallas, Texas, figured it out half a world away.
1: That's right. <laughs> so there you go. The story behind the song from a guy that was right in the middle of it.
0: That's amazing. That's a, that's a that was a real special treat. I can't believe you even found. that guy. <laughs>
1: Okay, so when you left that message suggesting Red Hill mining town, did you expect to get a first-hand account like that? No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not at all. Pretty fun though. Huh? It was
0: very cool. No, did, it was, did it live up to the abs- hype? Absolutely. No, it was. It was way beyond anything I thought. I thought it was going to be something silly. This was so well researched and put together. I can't even imagine. So when I and the guy gave you a thirty-minute interview.
1: Well, when I. I won't tell the whole story about how I finally got a hold of him, but I asked for five or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. But he's such a nice guy, and he was just kept so, talking. Yeah, it wow. was it was a thirty or forty minute interview that I. It's incredible. I cut those clips out of. But mm. when I said I've got a surprise, and I really hyped it up when, in our text messages, mm-hmm. what, did, what I, did? you I, think I literally of,
0: had no idea. I really did not even a guess. I, I, no, I didn't. I had no guess. <laughs> I was like where's he get? I mean, I, what can he? Be, I mean, it's all on Wikipedia. I mean, what can he be surprising me with? I don't even get it you know good i'm I'm, I'm glad i'm glad i exceeded that was an absolute complete surprise and i didn't didn't even have a clue
1: good well thank you for the idea and for being part of the first installment of deep Cuts.
0: i'm glad you had me this was fun
1: and thank you for taking time to come down to the studio in person for the episode of course for those that are listening we're looking for more ideas for deep cuts choose your favorite big musical act go to one of their biggest albums and select your favorite lesser known song from that album call the hotline at 321-465-2180 and let us know what you picked we'll do some quick research if there's a compelling story there we'll do an episode and you can join us just like Corey did let's finish up with some credits we have a very fun Facebook page for our show, and we'd love for you to join us there. Just search The Gravity Beard Interns. You'll come across Corey in there as well. He's our science correspondent, science C McScience face. Thank you for that, by the way.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Find us on Twitter by searching at The Gravity Beard. We're proud members of the Podfix Network. It's a terrific lineup of shows. Go to podfixnetwork.com for more details or search at Podfix on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can search Gravity Beard, all one word, at patreon.com or Venmo, or search our email address, contactthebeard at gmail.com on PayPal. The music on the show is by Silent Partner. You can find them on the YouTube audio library. For my good friend, Corey, a.k.a. Scienceemic Science e Face, I'm your host, Toph. You've been listening to Gravity Beard. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. Thanks for having me. This is the Gravity
2: Beard.